This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX is at your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, here's your host, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Welcome to the second hour of the Garden Hotline. I'll be giving the tip of the trial shortly, but right now you can call 314 314- 436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120 to get your questions, comments, or concerns answered. Greg will answer the phone. And Brian, before you get out of here, I understand that yep. you saw Annie at the Muni, correct? I did, yeah. We were there for opening night, Wednesday. Right. And I, you and Harry were talking last hour, or two hours ago, I guess, about you know Annie. But you guys didn't mention who played the dog. Oh, yeah. Uh, I don't know the dogs. Uh, Might have been... Uh, Toto. Toto. No, no, no. Oh, wasn't it, Toto. You know, and it's really funny because if you want applause in a play, just have a dog. Right. And the dog is only in a couple of scenes, you know. <laughs> but boy, when that dog comes on stage, woohoo! You know, and you got all these poor kids out there, they're working their tail off trying to get all their dance moves right, all their lines right, and yeah, whatever. The dog runs on stage, yay! You know, but that like, dog's got to be well trained. Yeah, he does. He he gets a treat if you look closely. You can see Annie give him a little treat. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was just but curious. Yeah. You guys didn't mention the dog at all. And yeah, the dog is very important to Annie. It is. Yes. So anyway. He is. She is. <laughs> Whatever it is. Yes. <laughs> and it's, I mean, it really deserves a Tony. Absolutely. Yes. Well, thanks. I was just curious, and it just kind of popped into my head. So that's why I asked. So thank you, Brian. And, uh, folks, thank you for having me on your show. You can give a call, and we can talk about plant selection, ups and downs and all arounds. I talked last hour about how a couple of varieties of sweet potato vines that I've had luck with for multiple years. You know, I've had, I have some varieties that are still looking good, even the ones in the west hottest, most intense sun still look good. But, you know, a couple of varieties, you know, just collapsed. I mean, it's like, oh, gosh. How about bulbs, your summer bulbs? How about your cannas, your caladiums, your elephant ears, your calocasias and everything else? Ground covers, house plants, lawns, perennials, roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts. Please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is certainly not the only garden path to take, but just offered for you to consider. And uh, Greg is answering phone right now. If you do have questions or concerns, you can give us a call. And uh, he's producing as well, so he doesn't just answer the phone. He does all kinds of different things. And during the week, I do landscape consulting. And on the weekends, sometimes, too, where I come to your home and I do a walk and talk where I answer questions and concerns you may have or and also keep my eyes open for things that may be impacting your landscape that you did not consider. And uh, whether it's an aesthetic or problem-solving circumstance, you can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number, and you can contact me to do a walk and talk. Today, after the show, I'm headed out to St. Peter's off Mid-Rivers Mall Drive over near there, the St. Charles Community College. 
And I'll share my 40 years of experience. Over 40 years. Oh, my gosh. It's frightening. But anyway, so we can take a look. Now, the tip of the trial, special recognition for individual group or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. Their phone number is 636-861-3344. Today's tip of the trial is something called the 17th Annual Taco, T, not Taco, Toco, T-O-C-O, Family Festival. That's going to be at Jellystone Resort at Six Flags on August 24th and 25th. And that's this year, the gates open at 3 o'clock. And what happens is there during this weekend, there's going to be 25 different musical groups there. There's going to be, including in that 25, arts, activities for the entire family. There's going to be food vendors. There's going to be educational workshops. There's going to be, as I said, music and train rides. And this benefits Tapestry of Community Offerings. That's a T-O-C-O. And the programs and services empower children and families through green and community partnerships. So, again, this is a 17th consecutive year T-O-C-O, Tapestry of Community Offerings. Family Festival offers music and camping. So you're gonna, you can stay there all night if you'd like to. You talk about a cool place to stay. So it's just something that you really need to consider doing if you want to do something a little bit different than what you're usually doing. It's actually hosted this TOCO organization is in Illinois. So you can call three, no, you can call 618-257-8626, or you can check it out online too, www.tocofamily.org. And it's just, it's a wonderful circumstance. It's got to be just so much fun. And uh, what happens is they, uh, through the referrals from schools, churches, and social organizations, TOCO TOCO provides greatly reduced or free clothing, shoes, housewares to children and families that need it the most. So that's, you're going to benefit, you know, a great organization as well as having some totally wild, unusual fun down on Highway 44, and that's going to be at Jellystone Resort at Six Flags. And again, the date is August 24th and 25th. The website, again, is www.tocofamily.org. So think about doing that if you want to do something really unique and really unusual. So let's take a phone call before we go to break. Pat has been hanging on. Pat from Kirkwood, how are you? Fine, fine. Uh, I have a question for you. I have um, a hydrangean, uh, lime green, and these things have gotten so massive and the blooms on them are so heavy that, like, when we have the heavy rain, mm-hmm. it just took them and bent them over. When can I trim these back? Well, you, are they still laying down, or have they pulled no, themselves back up? what I did was I put a clothes prop under a couple. Oh, well, that's smart. To put, to put them up so if the sun was going to dry them, it would dry them upright. Right. But these things, where they are, they must love it because they're just monsters. <laughs> And I don't want to lose them, but I know they need to be trimmed back because right. they want to kiss the ground when the weather's bad. <laughs> well, when you get the kind of rains that we've had, we have no water, and then all of a sudden we get you know, an inch and a half of water within 24 hours. 
that's a lot of, you know, because of the size of the foliage, because of the size of the flowers, just that stuff, you know, those particular aspects of it hold on to that moisture, and that's what bends them over. So once they finish flowering and everything else, the foliage starts falling off or turning colors, you know, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, then at that time you can do the pruning. Well, I'll tell you, Mike, these flowers don't fall off that easily. It's almost like clear until the fall before they even start to go. Well, that's fine. I mean, enjoy them as long as you can because you got really all the way up until next, let's say, before the new growth begins in the spring. So you got about three or four months to actually do the pruning. So when when's the best time to prune? After they flower? Uh, after they flower, you know, when they're finished flowering, or is that what you're asking? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, it's weather-related, so who knows the actual date. But sometime, I would say, after Halloween. After Halloween. Yeah. Okay. Uh, another question. I have an oak tree in my front yard, which is just a magnificent tree. I had two at one time, and four years ago, uh, the one just in the spring, the leaves were all brown. I never came back. But this guy here, his bark... On the west side of the tree, it's it, you can put your hand and almost peel it off. Is that from being too dry, or is there something more going on? No, there probably isn't that much going on. I mean, pulling bark off a tree is not all that unusual because as a let's say the girth or the diameter of the tree increases, the oldest bark is going to actually be pushed off more or less. Okay. So as long as you're not seeing anything underneath the bark, if you do pull a small piece off, you're not seeing a huge, let's say, split or gap in it, mm-hmm. you know, that goes all the way into the heartwood, you're probably fine. Oh, okay. Well, I've got several people on my list this week that are going to come and also take a look at it to make sure nothing else is going on with it. The leaves are all green on this. Great. But this thing has got to be 80 years old. Whoa. It is just beautiful. I imagine. Yeah, and with the storms we have, that's another concern. If something's going on, is it weak in there, and will it come down if we get a lot of bad, bad winds? Well, generally it's not going to be weak if you have good foliage, quantity-wise, color-wise, and everything else. That's not to say it can't get knocked over, but the chances of it are going to be certainly reduced with a healthy tree. Okay, one more quick thing. I have a small maple that's alongside the driveway, and it's maybe two years old, but one of its branches coming out, it's like it needs to be taken off because whenever we pull in the driveway, the car is wanting to hit it. Right. Right. When is a good time to take that off? Any time during the summer is perfect for maples, beaches, and birch trees. So you can do it now if you want. Oh, that's great. Thank you so much for yeah. your help. And one other co- you know, comment about that. If that maple tree is that close to your driveway, I would consider moving it because the root system on maples could really do some damage to your driveway. Well, I don't know about having it moved, though. It's pretty good size. Okay. Right. Well, I mean, that's just a you know, forewarning. Heads up, yeah. Right. Okay. Well, thank you very much yep. for your time, sir. Sure. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. The only way you can take KMOX with you is with the Radio.com app. Download it today and listen to us anytime, anywhere. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're headed to Afton and we're going into Joe's yard. Hi, Joe. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I've got a tomato question. 
I plant better boys every year. And last year and this year, I've had a problem with I get good five foot or plus plant growth, but I'm not getting any uh, tomatoes blossoms to set. I'm wondering in the uh, I got my garden divided in areas, and in the off year I plant red clover in there, and then turn that under in the fall. And I'm just wondering, could it possibly be uh, excess of nitrogen in the soil? More than likely not. Nitrogen only stays in your soil, even though the clover is capturing it and putting it into its root system. Once it's churned in and everything else, it dissipates and heads up into the air. That's why after lightning strikes, everything has a green gloss because the the nitrogen's in the air, the lightning brings it back down. So I would think it's not related to that whatsoever. Okay, my ground, it's, it's the texture of the ground. It just works up beautifully. My eggplants, they're setting blooms on. They're doing great. They're loading the plants down. And peppers are not as uh, prolific as in prior year. Right. So, you know, for your tomatoes have done the same thing two years in a row, that's a little bit difficult to understand. I, are you getting your tomatoes from the same place? Yes, I do. I would say I try tomato fertilizer too. Yeah, you're using you're doing everything just right. I might just think about getting a, maybe trying a different variety of tomato along with the the you you like better boys or big boys or whatever it happens to be. Just plant you know put a different variety in next year with that and see how they perform. So maybe it's variety wise as much as anything. It's really difficult to tell because it sounds like you're doing and your ground and everything is just right. So. Um, you know, why you're not getting a tomato set, uh, that's a tough one. Okay, I spray with uh, Epsom salts uh, usually about every two weeks. Yeah, that's Epsom salts and water. Yeah, mm-hmm. that, yeah, I mean, that's fine. It's not necessarily something you have to do. And you also, you might just go ahead and get a soil test and find out what the nutrient level is in the area where you're having the problem with the tomatoes. Okay. All right. I thank you very much for your expertise. Well, thank you. And it, I mean, it's tough. You know, growing your crops is not easy, even if we've had a history of doing it. So let's go from Afton out to Union into Tina's yard. Hi, Tina. Hi. Good morning. Hi. I have a question about a hydrangea. Um, it's several years old, but it never blooms all over the whole bush. I'll get a bloom here and there. And I was wondering, could that be a nutrient problem? Is that the way we're pruning it in the winter, what would your recommendation on that? Yeah, your pruning is probably consistent throughout the entire shrub, isn't it? So you all cut it back to 18 inches or 24 inches or whatever you do. And, you know, if the foliage is looking good on everything else, it probably is somewhat related to the nutrients that are in the soil. Do you have a recommendation on a product or a, a combination of what to give it? Basically, get a fertilizer for acid-loving plants. So whether it's Bayer's, whether it's Peter's, whether it's you know Miracle Grow, you know, or anything, just so it's acid-loving plants. Because if the thing looks healthy and it's just not producing flowers, I mean, like I said, you know, I've said a couple times, I continue to say, flowering is a very stressful time, and it just if it doesn't have the plant doesn't have the nutrients, let's say slash energy to produce the flowers, it's not necessarily going to do that. Okay, thank you very much. Yep, so nutrients is probably what you're looking at. Bob in St. Louis, how are you today? I'm good, Mike. 
Mike, I'm thinking about putting in some variegated Japanese silver grass plants. And I'm just wondering when's a good time to do it? Is now a good time or should I wait till fall or Well availability is gonna be the problem. So and with the ornamental grasses, you're better off to plant them in the spring versus the fall. Because even though the ground is warm and that encourages root system growth and everything else, many plant materials, you know, it's recommended fall planting versus spring because the ground is cold. But with the ornamental grasses, they seem to be a lot more, or their ability to survive through the weather, wintertime and everything else is minimal if you plant them in the fall or it's, let's say, reduced. I shouldn't say minimal as opposed to the spring. So I would wait until next spring, get the area ready where you're going to, you know, install them and then wait till next spring and i don't even know if they're going to be available some of the garden centers may have them and if you want to try one or two yeah i don't know how many you're planning on putting in and see what happens but uh it's the usual recommendation is not to put ornamental grasses in you know install them in the fall and certainly don't put don't put them in now it's too hot yeah i'm not in a hurry to put them in because i have grass plants there now, and I'm just going to take them out okay. and replace them with these. Yeah, so I would so. wait until next spring. Okay. So, you know, let the other ones stay as long as you want to, then get them out of there, get the ground ready, you know, through the wintertime or late fall, whenever you want to, and then as soon as they become available in the garden centers in the spring, get them in the ground. All righty. Appreciate it. Yep. And now let's go to On the Road again, Wayne. Hi, Wayne. Hi. Go ahead. I've got I've got eight ewes in front of my house that are over twenty years old, and my lawn guy hasn't been making there for three weeks. And I'm wondering, is that something I can trim, or should I wait for him? They're big. Now, so you so all of them have been pruned except one. No, I no I just pruned them off a little bit of the top. No, it, they're twenty. They're over twenty years old. I right. got eight of them, and the question is. Is it something I should do, or should I wait for my lawn guy? Oh, you don't have to wait. I mean, you can do the pruning yourself. 20 years old, just realize that you have to watch out. I don't know what variety they are oh, or no, anything they've else. Tri- they've been trimmed every year. Okay, so that's fine. In good shape. Yeah, so as how long as... How much should I cut off? How much should you cut off? Yeah. Don't go, don't go beyond the point where you have... A, you know, at least a couple inches of nice green needles. Never cut them back further than that. And realize okay. that if you have a spreading type, they're probably wider at the top than they are at the bottom. So you don't have any needles at the bottom of the shrub at all, especially on a 20-year-old one. So if you can start tapering it a little bit to let a little bit more light down closer to the ground, you may get some needle growth lower on the, you know, along the shrub. So they're still, they're still good at the bottom. Oh, great. Wow, you've done yeah. a great job. Okay, that's all I want to know. Thank you. Okay, great. Yeah, so just don't cut them back, you know, where you get to only a few, you know, needles or else you could be creating a real problem. Jumping the river to Fairview Heights. Hi, Barbara. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing well. How about you? Good. A question I have is about arborvitaes. I have three arborvitaes that I planted at the back of my house uh, 11 years ago. And each one, they're, they're beautiful trees, um, enjoying them, but each one have several trunks. And I was wondering, because they're starting to split, 
and not have that vertical looking growth, can I trim some of those trunks out? And also, could they be topped to stop the vertical growth? Basically, you start pruning on arborvitae, you got some real, you're going to create an, an aesthetic as well as a physical nightmare. So as far as like topping them off and everything else, that's not recommended. As far as taking some of the trunks out, let's say you got three coming off, you take one of them, that spot where that trunk has been cut off, now it's going to be, what's left is going to be just more or less a hollow, ugly area. Okay. Is there, can I take something and bring them back together like a, some type of a tie to make them a little closer, the trunks a little closer together, or is that also doing something to the tree that's going to be damaging? It could be damaging. You just can't make it too tight. If you wanted to try that, you get some you know, bungee cord type things and just do it loosely, wrap around. But for the most part, they're just growing and they're just healthy as they can be. And that's, you know, as long as they look good, you know, unfortunately, genetically, you know, they're predisposed to do this, you know, just a growth habit. And so you're just kind of stuck with it, more or less. Okay. There, th- I planted them at the back of the house because it's a walkout two-story, you know, home. Mm-hmm. And it just broke up that, you know, that stark, you know, the siding and everything. Right. They're beautiful at the back of the house, but they're starting to get up into my windows. Right. And I don't want the light from outside being blocked by them. Yeah, so, so I'm trying it might be an yeah. occasion where, even though they're healthy, good, and everything else, removal, removal might be the thing to do and just kind of start over again, not taking them all three out at once, but maybe taking one out and replacing it with either another variety of arborvitae or something along that line. Uh, because you start playing around with them, you're not going to do any good for you or them, either one. Okay. All right. If I decide to do that, I will call you again for some suggestions on other trees I might plant. I have one other question, a red bud. Some of the branches are getting very, very low, and you have to bend over to mow underneath the red bud. Right. Can those lower branches, there's not many of them, can they be trimmed, you know, at this time? No, don't do it in the summertime. Wait until the foliage falls off, then do it then before the new growth begins. Okay, I'll do that. All okay, right. thank you. Yep, and Mike Miller, KM Wash Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, here's Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Joyce lives in Creefcourt. Joyce, how are you? Hi, Mike. I'm doing great. Um, it seems like you've had a lot of tree questions uh, this morning. But anyway, I have another one. Uh, we have a walnut tree that is probably 60-plus years old. And uh, last year it was just loaded with um, walnuts, and this year seems like the same. Um, seems like they're dropping earlier, and um, we had the tree trimmed um, uh, this within this past year, uh, some of the branches were hanging over the trees. I mean, over, like, over the house. Mm-hmm. And um, what's happened here now recently, within the last month or so, um, at least three large branches from the tree have fallen. 
And um, I, the first one, I was like, it was windy, and I thought, okay. Um, the most recent one was just yesterday. I, there really was no wind, but um, uh, I seem to think that perhaps it might be the lack of water and the, the, the fact that it's just loaded with, it can't hold the walnuts. Um, can you give me any ideas? Yeah, I mean, even though a branch doesn't necessarily fall, you know, during a day when it is windy, what could happen is there could be some structural damage done to that branch during those windy days. And then consequently, yeah. the branch could, you know, due to weight, due to whatever it happens to be, fall at a time when there is not a whole lot of wind. So it doesn't have to necessarily, any branch on any tree doesn't have to necessarily fall during right. the wind, windy circumstance. So that's probably what's happening with this. Also, this is, sounds like an older tree, so it's going to be a little bit tougher. And, you know, huge production of, you know, nuts or fruits or anything else. You know, I mean, it can stress, you know, cause stress cracks and fractures. So that that could be, you know, a, you know, a sort of a role in the whole thing, too. Water-wise, a uh, big mature tree, yeah, I mean, watering could be an, a factor. But if it's pretty much off by itself and it's not competing with a lot of other trees, yeah. that may have an impact, but it's probably not going to be the, probably the leading circumstance. No, it's a tree all by itself. Yeah. And- and it's it's got all kinds of green leaves. Um, it looks really healthy if you look up right. at it. And but when the the branch comes down and um, you go to you can crack off the smaller the, the you know the little branches with the leaves that just easily cracks off. Right. That's you know I mean walnut trees have brutal or <laughs> brutal brittle, brittle you know brittle twigs so that's what you're experiencing with that. Okay. But if the twig has leaves on it, then the twig is not dead. The twig is healthy. Yeah, yeah, it it, it does. So I mean, we like I say, we we live across from Christie Park. We're seeing, and there's some really big mature trees in there, whether it be a white pine or walnut trees. And this summer, I've seen more. We've been in this house like 11 years, I think. I've seen more big, huge, major branches come down from these trees. Then all the rest of the years put together. Really? So there's been, you know, some major problems related to lots of different factors as well as just the age of the trees. Right, right. I mean, the tree won't fall. (laughs) Generally not. (laughs) Just, okay. Well, and would watering help at all? Uh, Just so you water at the perimeter. Don't water up close to the trunk. So out where, you know, that's where the feeder roots are, right. Right. All right. Well, thanks a lot, Mike. Certainly. I appreciate your time. Sure. And now let's go from Creekport down to Fenton. Nancy, how are you? I'm fine. How are you? Good. I have, um, I don't have it anymore, but I had a crepe myrtle in my in my yard, and we transplanted it to another location, to another building. And um, it has, um, there were no, there was no soil on the roots. Ooh. When we when we transplanted it, because all the soil fell off, and I know that's not good. No, but it's uh, that was probably over a month ago, and it's still it looks a little funny, but it's not. Um, it doesn't seem to be dying. What do you think? Uh, you know, transplant it, and then for it to have to face this temperature and this weather. And to bare root it, generally bare rooting, that's usually only in the early spring. So 
then with you know this circumstance, it's going to be very, very iffy if it recovers. Yeah, it's still, it still doesn't look totally dead, but right. it looks like it's barely surviving. Right, because, I mean, you know, as it sort of heads into wintertime, which is a, you know, a tough time for crepe myrtles in general, and we have a severe winter or even a mild winter, it's still going to be, whether it comes out of the spring, you know, comes out, you know, late spring, early summer next year is going to be, just keep your fingers crossed. Okay. <laughs> That's what I've been thinking. Right. Uh, I have another question. I have a vinca, which uh, I transplanted from one place to another, and where it's in the new place, it's climbing up the fence, and it's really vigorous. And uh, I was wondering, could I dis- uh, kill that with uh, Roundup? Well, if you spray it at Roundup on it, it could kill the stems all the way back into the ground to wherever it's rooted. So, well, that's what I want. Okay, I'd yeah. like to get rid of that entirely. Oh, really? Okay, so yeah, yeah definitely go, you know, do that. Just watch out about drifting and anything else. If it's up on the fence, I would just take the Roundup and paint it directly onto the, you know, onto the foliage. Oh, okay. Okay, it's really, it's really vigorous. It was not that vigorous where it was before. Really? Yeah, but it's just, it's never climbed the fence before. <laughs> so I say it's gone rogue. <laughs> yeah, so, I mean, crush the leaves a little bit and then paint Roundup directly onto them. Okay, and I have another question. We have a small redbud tree in the front yard, and we trimmed one of the branches, and it, it peeled some of the bark off. And I wondered, what should I put anything on that um, damaged place? Or no, there's off? nothing you put on that's going to make any difference. But in the future, if branches are bigger or even if it's small, just make sure you don't rip the bark when you do some pruning. Yeah. I know it's an open place for insects. So Right, all kinds of problems. Diseases, too. Okay. Well, thank you very much. Certainly. Thanks, Nancy. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. This is the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline with your host, Mike Miller, on KMOX. Yes, folks, we've got about 10 minutes to go. And at 10 o'clock, Investing Sense with Andy Smith and Bob Richards, 1110 Ameren Total Access pregame show with Alex Ferraro. So pregame show, what does that mean? Oh, that means there's going to be baseball and Cardinals are in Chicago. Let's go to Bill and Bill is on the road. Hi, Bill. Hey, uh, thanks for taking my call, Mike. I got a problem with tomatoes. They are not ripening right. They uh, have white spots all through them, and the shoulders are green. The core is green. They just won't ripen correctly. I'm getting a lot of tomatoes. The plants look good, but... I would say pull some of them off and take you know take them inside and put them in the window and see if you can get them ripen that way. Well, that is not working. I, I have tried that. Oh, really? And, uh, so, so uh, I don't know if it's the heat or um, I Googled it. I Googled it, and they said maybe it needs uh, potassium in the ground. Does that make sense to you? Well, it could, but in essence, if you're using tomato food, you're getting the potassium. Okay, and I have done that. And if, or even if you're using triple twelve, which is you know a seasonal type fertilizer for you know one season top type crop, you know you're getting twelve percent potassium in it and phosphorus too. But uh, okay. yeah, I to me it just seems like uh, it's probably weather related more so than anything else. Okay, that's kind of what I thought, but I thought I might ask the guru and <laughs> and see what he had to say. Tomato uh, guru. I got, yeah, I got another quick question. Sure. 
uh, when's the best time to plant uh, um, uh, crepe myrtles, fall Cre- or spring? Uh, you're not going to find them probably available in the fall. My tendency would be I'd be a little scared putting them in the fall because they're not going to have well-established root systems. And if we get a severe winter real quickly, they could be frozen. So I would do spring. Thank you, sir. Yep. And now let's head to Baldwin, and Diane lives in Baldwin. Hi, Diane. Hi. I have uh, three uh, knockout roses. They're red. They're all together. Um, And last year, some of the growth that came up that should have been, you know, new um, buds and flowers came up in, uh, with as if it was kind of shrunken. The stems had a lot of um, thorns on them <gasps> and very, very close together. Um, and then the leaves that came out were sort of a shrivel. I mean, it's not that they were dry, right. but their um, appearance was shriveled and the roses were small. So now this year when the new growth came up, there's very little new growth that looks normal Almost all of it looks like this very thorny, um, almost miniaturized kind of growth. Now, is this happening on all three of them? Yes. Ooh, they all have rose rosette, which a disease transmitted by spider mites. And what it does is really, it just sort of sends your roses down, downhill, and it's just going to get worse and worse and worse and worse. Oh. So you got to get rid of them. Okay, because I have, they are probably uh, 15, 20 feet away from a pink knockout rose that has seemed fine. So, so the, you're, you're, all... you, you have just been lucky that none of the spider mites have been blown over to that one. Okay, so I should get rid of these ASAP then, huh? Absolutely. So just check it online, rose, rosette. A lot, sometimes the, the really thorny stems will be purplish, but that doesn't necessarily mean it has to be that way. Okay, okay. Oh, bad news, but thank you very much. Right. I don't know what to yeah. do. So, and, you know, you can get rid of them. You may not want to replant them this year, but you can replant them because the spider mites go, you know, they go away when you get rid of the shrubs. Oakville is where Marilyn lives. Hi, Marilyn. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a lot of red lava rock that I'm, I'm tired of, but I really can't stand the thought of replacing it because it's so expensive. I was wondering if I could I would like some black lava rock or anything other than the red. With my brick, it's just way too much. Could I paint that? <laughs> I've never heard of painting lava rock. Oh, I haven't either. That's why I called you. Yeah, I don't know if, I've. you know, that would be something I'd be a little bit concerned with because I don't know of any kind of paint that you could be using that's going to be sticking, that's not going to just fade in the sunlight and everything else that wouldn't necessarily have an impact on the plant material because it could leach some stuff down into the soil. That's what I was afraid of. Yeah. Okay, I guess I better dig into my pocketbook. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, unfortunately. Painting lava rock, that's a new one. <laughs> now let's go to Shiloh, Illinois. And Anne, how are you? Oh, I'm just fine. How are you, Mike? Fine. I have a question about my hydrangea. And um, I, first year... I planted two hydrangeas, one at each end of the house, and they came out beautifully and started to bloom, and the blooms came out kind of a light color, but turned to lilac, which I liked very much. And I'm real careful, and I've been babying them. I let them bloom on the old wood. I did not cut them back. I did everything I was supposed to, but now they still have blooms on them, 
but the blooms are turning from the lilac to like a lighter color, almost a white, but kind of like a muted, like a, a maybe a beigey white. And I don't understand it. I want the lilac blooms. They're so pretty. What can I do? Try, get some aluminum sulfate. Go to your favorite garden center. What it is is a soil chemistry. So, in other words, the first year when they bloomed and got the color that you wanted, that was a result of the fertilizer that the production nursery had put on it. Now, where they're planted now in your yard, it doesn't have this aluminum sulfate, so give this a try. Is that once a month? Uh, No, no. You just have to – it's a soil amendment. You just put it in, um, you know, let's say once every – once a year probably should be adequate. Okay, I'll get some for sure. And my other question is, I have this young maple tree, Japanese maple, on my front lawn, and it was just starting to look really good. Now, all of a sudden, it got those little bagworms. Never had bagworms on maples before, but I know they do come on those. So we got some spray, and my husband sprayed it. Okay, now the leaves are all snarled up and, you know, some falling off. But it doesn't look like the bagworms are alive anymore. Should I expect the tree to survive this, or should I expect it to go downhill, or is it undetermined? Basically, the bags are still full of eggs. Uh, So next year, those eggs are going to hatch, and then consequently, you know, you're going to have a whole thing. So you got to go out there just with like a pair of scissors and cut all these bags off. Oh, really? Yeah, because there is there is no chemical, there's no insecticide that can penetrate. Oh, so if I don't get them all, then that'll start all over again. Right, because each bag could have X amount of number of eggs. If they hatch next year, then you're going to have that many, you know, new bags. Why did I get those to begin with? I never had them before. Yeah, I'm, and it's about four or five years old. Yeah, generally, I don't know of uh, you know bagworms being on maples, so. Why you're having them, it's, I'm unsure of. Well, I think they're bagworms because they're little, like, bags. And some of them are real tiny, some of them are a little bigger. Well, take, some, you know, take them to your favorite garden center and have them take a look. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you don't think spraying them again will help? Absolutely won't not. won't do a thing. Good grief. Okay, well, I'll try to pick them all off and stop by a garden center. Great. Thank you, Mike. Have Certainly. a nice day. Yep, Bye. and thanks to everybody for calling in. This looks like uh, Gary from South County. We're not going to get a chance to get you in. So, Mike Miller, KMY's Garden Hotline. See you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.